I want you to think of the state of your business today. And depending on when you're watching this, if you're watching us live, you're watching the video or listening to the audio version of this conversation that I'm about to have with Dr. Richard Kay, will determine kind of where things are at in the world. There's no question. The pandemic, of course, has changed everything. So I really want you to think about the state of your business in the post-pandemic world versus what things were like beforehand. Give that some thought as we have this conversation, because today we're really going to dive into how you can actually make your business thrive in this post-pandemic world. Dr. Richard Kay, so glad that you're here joining us on Cashing on Camera to dive into this because I know you have a very unique methodology. You've got some really interesting uh, strategies around this, but I want to just ask like, about your personal experience through the pandemic. What was it like for you as a business owner and your involvement with CEO space to really go through the pandemic? <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I, we've all been affected. I mean, there's absolutely no way that you have not been affected. Even if you're buried under a rock. At CEO Space, Cheryl, we used to do live events. We used to do several events a year. And one day we got a call. It's a global organization. Two calls, one from Paris, one from Italy saying, we can't get on an airplane. <laughs> we began doing zoom so we're a woman-run organization september is ceo president and ellen is vice president and they scrambled and over 48 hours because that when we were supposed to do the event created the first live zoom event and we emailed everyone hundreds of people back then saying hey here we are on television and the organization is thriving through that and on a personal level I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, I used to travel two, sometimes three times a month. Yeah. And it's, it, we're now going back to that. This is the vehicle that we use, whether it's this particular platform, most people use Zoom. That's how we conduct business. So before we went live, we talked about certainty and uncertainty. When you're certain, absolutely certain about something, that's stagnation, that's death. We, we have to expand and grow. I want to dig into that a little bit more because on the surface of that statement, there's no growth in certainty. One would presume that was maybe having certainty would be a good thing. But in your opinion, having certainty is almost a detriment, correct? Absolutely. Hmm. Cheryl, there's an old saying that if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. You're certainly familiar with that. Yes. That wasn't true in the past. It certainly isn't true now. And let's use CEO space as the metaphor here. If we were saying, hey, come to uh, Dallas, we're going to have an event. It's like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so the certainty of knowing what you do is may bring comfort. And Tony Robbins is the first one I heard who said that the quality of your life depends on the level of uncertainty you can tolerate. If you're in a relationship, you, you have a certain level of certainty. But thank God for all the uncertainty that's there. That's what makes life more enjoyable. So we have a baseline that we can call certainty for people who go into an office, you go into the office and you do, but every day is different. And relationships are the best example of uncertainty. Thank God they're always different. They get boring if they're always the same. I want to give an example of an email that I received today. I'm not going to name names. I won't get into the specifics of this situation, but it's someone who's close to me who sent me a long email today about the state of her business and it's not in good shape. 
And it's someone who is really thinking of closing down, closing up shop, that sort of thing. And the idea that led, the reason why that it's at the situation is the way it is, is because things were a certain way. There was a lot more certainty, I think, in her business before the pandemic. And then everything dried up. And now as things are getting back, like you said, we're getting back into live events and things are starting to move in a different direction, slowly, mind you, but still going in that direction, the people aren't coming back. It's completely dry. And so I wonder what kind of advice you would have for her or many, many other business owners who are finding that their business is dried up after the pandemic, because how can they make things get back to where they were, or will they ever get back to where they were? How can they thrive? And I think I'm leading you toward your methodology. <laughs> so many people lived in scarcity and many people still do live in scarcity. There's not enough. It's me, 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 me. And if that person has a client, they're not coming into me. So I want to harm or put that other person out of business. Now, we've seen some of that stuff. People today, the whole vibration of the whole planet, in my experience, is raising that people are expressing more about collaboration and cooperation. I'm going to share a story with you when I you don't need to know who this person is. Don't even know to need to know what her business is. I'm a retired chiropractor. And as Tony Robbins says, this is not to impress you, but to impress upon you. I was famous in San Diego, 630 News, morning television talk show. San Diego Tribune, Los Angeles Times, PBS special about me. And I was younger, so you know, I believed all that stuff. Over the nine months following my first program at CEO Space, my practice doubled. I stepped into collaboration and cooperation, which was a relatively new model to me. So if whoever this person is, you may want to send it to her. I, I learned about this stuff that today we call joint ventures and alliances. We didn't have that language two decades ago. So I said, okay, who is in the same space as I, meaning quality of life, that we can share prospects, we can share clients, we can share people. So I called uh, massage therapists, I called acupuncturists, I called people, took them to lunch, spent a lot of money and time at lunch. But what happened is we wound up serving more and more people. And Cheryl had got to a place one day, I said, who is the most obtuse kind of person? I called an orthopedic surgeon. And I don't remember his name, so I'll make up a name. I said, Jack, same conversation. I took him to lunch and we started serving more and more people by referring to one another. And here's the key, ladies and gentlemen, make certain that you don't step into scarcity and steal that client. Now, you might say, okay, I'm not a doctor. I can't do that. Well, there's a friend of mine who was a home inspector. At the time, home inspectors, I think, were earning like, I don't know, $45,000 a year. Same model. Who did he decide to joint venture with? HVAC, heating, ventilating, and air conditioning people, gardeners, landscapers, roofers, etc. So they worked, and he went to a million dollars a year. And now he teaches people how to do this. So you don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a, a, a home inspector. Every single business, you can find someone to collaborate and cooperate with, serve more people, which is the key, and oh yes, make more money. I love it. And I totally agree with that. In fact, I think back on any level of you know success that has brought me even just to this point. If I think back on what has actually led to the most 
reward in every sense of the word. It has stemmed from relationships. It has stemmed from collaborations and joint ventures and meeting people and networking. And I think you and I both agree, right? That the networking is work is your net worth. It really is about that. It isn't because I had a fancy marketing funnel on automation. It's not because of running ads and all these different tactics that sometimes people get caught up in. It was really from talking to people. <laughs> I mean, it's just as simple as what you just said. Have, let's have lunch. Let's talk. Let's discuss. Let's build a relationship which leads to more opportunities. Business opportunities is really where it's at. And it so is. I agree with that. Yeah. And that takes me off in a whole different place. We are all on networking events today. So you're all on networking events. And how many times I was one on one earlier this morning and within a heartbeat after the chat in the zoom went on, here's my name. Here's what I do. Buy me, buy me, buy me, buy me. Oh, geez. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. No. You mentioned something so vital and that's build relationships first. No one wants to buy you just because they know your name and what you do. And I say you mean your product or service. So ladies and gentlemen, build relationships. Take, today, you know, taking people to lunch is a different thing, but online and follow up with people. Uh, a friend of mine, I, I live in Taos, New Mexico. It's small towns, 5,000 people here and Lee owns a restaurant and when COVID hit all the restaurants all over just shut down yeah. they didn't start to open up for in but they opened up for to go and he still can't open because he can't find anyone to work he said Richard I'm paying $15 now this is it's not an abundant community he said I'm paying people $15 an hour to come work he says nobody wants to work so get out of your comfort zone. That's the certainty. I would be a little obnoxious here of lying on the sofa watching days of our lives or something. You know, there's certainty in that there's no growth. So you as an entrepreneur, you have to grow. One of the things that I think people need to think more about is this idea of getting out there. Like you said, networking, we're both part of networking groups. We are we met through a networking group, right? So right. we both do that and understand the value of doing that and do it properly. As you just pointed out, that's not the place to start pitching all your wares, but people don't have patience anymore. They just have no patience. They want to ram that product and service down your throat. They want you to buy it. And I think there's a lot to be said around patience. I laugh because when I retired from chiropractic, my then wife used to say, you finally figured it out. You don't have to practice anymore. You don't need patience. So that's a thing. <laughs> there's a doctor joke. <laughs> patience is so important. And as you said, people ram it down your throat. Like it's no, that's you must build relationships. Building relationships and that going back to when I learned how to do that, my edge of my business education in, well, the first CEO space program I attended, I was married to an attorney and she looked at me and said, Richard, I learned to be an attorney. You learned to be a doctor. How come no one ever taught us how to do business? It's like, whoa, we don't get that. We may be masterful at our skill or our craft. Where do we learn to do the business of that, Cheryl? And CEO space just happens to be one amazing place to accomplish that. So even if you don't get to or explore CEO space and, and that's it, it's you get to accelerate the growth of your business. And here's a little marketing thing. 
if you go to that website and it's ceospaceamerica.com, C-E-O-S-P-A-C-E America.com, here's a little bit of marketing strategy. That website is not about how wonderful we are, how we've been here for 30 years, that Forbes and Inc. says we're the number one conference. Nobody cares, ladies and gentlemen, your website is about you. And we talk about how wonderful you are. The website, your marketing has to be about the consumer. We all tune into the same nefarious radio station, WIIFM. What's in it for me? So when you're marketing, talk about what someone is going to get out of it, whether as the woman who wrote you the email is in a little chaos or a crisis, what is someone going to get out of it if they come to work with you? I've been a business coach for 472 years and I can help you. Now, tell me what's going to happen to me. Am I going to grow my business? Am I going to grow personally? Am I going to have better relationships? There's a picture of a billboard I took when I teach a class on negotiation. It says, banking done for us. So, excuse me? I was like, really? And that went through all their marketing and is it now if that billboard said billboard said banking done for you right what's the difference in the tone of that we so, see a lot of that though in the entrepreneurial space and i think when people are not thriving right um when they're trying to survive and they're in that mode of just trying to make ends meet there there tends to be an aura or maybe an essence of desperation that i think people can sense and that doesn't bode well for you to move your business forward. It scares people away. Mm -hmm. And it has the same resonance as a word I used earlier and that's scarcity. We can tell, most people can tell, when someone says, I am desperate, please buy me, use me. as this right. thing from how may I serve you? And I'll go back to one of our first conversations because it's one of my questions, how may I serve you? And don't worry about what you can do for me when you show up ladies and gentlemen to serve other people i mean who would you rather play with someone who says i need your business or how can i serve you and then the referrals come from that too yeah and it's funny when you say that when you say those words i actually think of you because wow. it was impactful to me and how you it was so simple that sentence is so simple and it was just so direct Yes. that I recall that from the calls we've had. How may I serve you? The, in particular, the word serve yes. always has struck me. And so obviously these are things that you do at CEO space and, and how your mentorship and you know all that works. And so I would definitely encourage people to go and check out CEO space and, and the good work that you're doing there. I wanted to dig into this planning methodology or strategy that you have, the pandemic one. Can you explain what that is all about? Yeah, it, it, it's the stuff we talked about, Charlotte, stepping out of the past. If we embrace, and I'm going to use my friend who owns the restaurant, the same thing, having a, a, a cadre of waiters and bus people, it, it's not going to work. It will ultimately go out of business. Change your thinking. As Zig Ziglar used to say, we're living, many people live in stinking thinking. We, we can't function the way we used to. The biggest thing is step into the collaboration and cooperation and seek new venues. You asked me earlier, how has it affected me personally? Is I'm now doing things in addition to what I used to do. Between 
doing personal coaching and mentoring and helping people become best-selling authors and having them get stage learning how to interview and talk in sound bites. I never did that before. And that's just my personal story. And where did I learn that? By hanging around with top level entrepreneurs. There's an old saying in real estate, if you've got the most expensive house in the block, it's wrong. Same thing in business. If you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, that's right. Hang out with people who know more than you and are willing to share the changes. Yeah. There's a resource that you offer, including five tips, the oh. secrets of empowering negotiation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I teach a program on the secrets of empowering negotiation. And here's a typical example. I was on a networking program and someone said to me, why don't you give stuff away? Now, my first reaction was, huh? <laughs> <laughs> why would I do that? <laughs> so I created a, a, a form where it's a 13 page PDF, rich with five powerful negotiation tips, how you can change your life. And I want to make a distinction, Cheryl. Most people have never learned how to negotiate. They don't know how to do it. I grew up negotiating by the seat of my pants. You know, I, I thought I was pretty good at it until I began to study and learn. I've studied with some of the masters. And most people have a perspective of negotiation as I win and you lose. Yeah, that's what most people look at. I used to teach level two of negotiation. I win and you win. And people say, that's really good. Then I stepped into level three. I win, you win, and our cohort wins. And then four. I win, you win, our cohort wins, and humanity wins. I what love would happen, Cheryl, if we lived our lives, not just in negotiation, but in every communication, every transaction, what's the bigger picture? We would not have this stuff that's going on in the world today. We would not have this. That's all coming from chaos. It's all coming from scarcity, rather. It's all coming from scarcity. In the Russia thing, it's, it's only about one thing. It's about oil. Ukraine's got oil. And if we were to work together, I'm not going to go political, don't worry. But if we were to work together, okay. there's enough for everybody. Yeah. So that's what these five tips on communication are about. Yes, we can definitely put the link in the comments, depending if you're listening to it. Um, certainly, you can reach out to Richard and get that. One thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is that we do a little segment here called stop marketing. Like it's 1999. And you kind of alluded to it a moment ago. Like when you were a doctor, you probably didn't have to do a lot of the no. visible things that we're to doing today. And so I wonder what is a tip, a tool, a tactic, something that's working for you to, as you know, as you put yourself out there and you're visible, what's really working for you from a marketing perspective today in this post pandemic world? You know, great question, because back then when I was practicing, we didn't have the internet. The computer was for writing reports and, you know, doing uh, the back end stuff. Be visible, podcast, webinars, and stop trying to sell the people who don't want your product and service. It doesn't make a difference. What I was a chiropractor, you know, I wasn't going to market to people who were so ensconced in the medical model. Yes. Can they use my services? Yes. And sometimes I did outreach to them and I did that, like, for example, through calling an orthopedic surgeon. So ladies and gentlemen, know who your market is. You're not a market for everybody. 
There are people who have no desire to use your services. So the invitation is know your cohort, know who you are selling to, who's the ideal person and refine and define your market. You have a deeper reach. And by the way, the peripheral will show up and ultimately discover you. Just do it gently and come from that place of service. How can I serve you? What is someone going to get out of your product or service? Build the excitement and they come to you. Not everybody, but the right people. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect place to end, right? It is how can you thrive in the post pandemic world and your business? It's exactly everything that Richard just mentioned. So I love this great conversation. would love to have you back sometime where maybe we can do another one where we talk more deeply about negotiation. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for being on Cashing on Camera. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Cheryl. This podcast features curated audio originating from live video interviews simulcast on social media. You can catch full video episodes at Cheryl Plouffe and on my YouTube channel. To learn how we can help you use video to grow your business, visit CherylPluff.com. Remember, you can send us a voicemail question or suggestion for inclusion in the show from our main podcast page. Cashing on Camera is a production of Cheryl Plouffe Media.